0: We're inviting everyone to rediscover Christmas. Now, I looked up the definition of rediscover. Here's how Cambridge uh, uh, Dictionary defines rediscover. It's to find something or someone again after losing it or forgetting about it or him or her for a very long time. Uh, so we want you to rediscover Christmas. Uh, it's a bit like the story of the chauffeur who driven this same uh, chemistry Professor to multiple uh, speaking engagements and heard the professor, this chemistry professor, give the same lecture again and again and again. Uh, he was on another trip to yet another one of these speaking engagements and uh, he, he made a wager with the professor. He said to him, I've heard your speech so many times, I bet you I could do it better myself. The professor said to him, I bet you, you couldn't. In fact, I bet you 50 bucks you can't do it. The chauffeur pulled up the car, stopped and said, you're on, it's a deal. They got out of the car and they swapped clothes so that uh, the chauffeur was dressed in a fancy tuxedo and they arrived at the event and uh, the host put him at the head of the table and invited him to give his speech. He gave such a remarkably good speech and lecture that he got a standing ovation by the end of it. Now, the MC got up afterwards and after the applause calmed down, he said, Well, this is such an honour for us to have such a dignified guest. And and you know what, by the look of it, we've got ten more spare minutes for a question and answer time with the professor. (laughs) Well, he was absolutely terrified, but after a while, clearing the lump in his throat, uh, he he heard a, a question, and clearing the lump in his throat, he said... Do you know what? That is probably the easiest question I've ever heard in my life. In fact, that question is so easy that I bet even my chauffeur would be able to answer it. (laughs) Well, I wonder if you've heard the Christmas story again and again and again, and here you are again today. You've heard it so many times that you could come up here and tell it yourself. Well, you know, uh, the Oxford professor, C.S. Lewis, He once said this, he said, we don't need to be told new ideas so much as we need to be reminded of old truths. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to rediscover Christmas and I hope by his spirit God will enable you to rediscover this amazing Christmas story. And two things in particular that we're going to look at this morning. And the first thing is we're going to look at the vanity of the emperor. So again, I hope you've got the story open in front of you. The second thing we're going to look at is the peace of God in Christ. So uh, if you look at verse 1, I wonder if you noticed how uh, Luke, who's telling the story of Christmas, he's not telling a fantasy, he's telling history. Have a look at verse 1. He says, in those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this is not a fantasy. this is not a myth. do, do you notice that we 've got in verse two we 've already have two historical facts: a, a historical person called Emperor Augustus and an historical event called the, the registration or the census. Both of these things are on record, even outside the Bible and beyond dispute as historical facts so uh, Looking at Caesar Augustus, let me just say a few things about him. Most of you, of course, will have heard of him. His original name, though, was Octavian. He changed it to Augustus, which literally means respected and impressive. So respected and impressive was we'll he that 2,000 years later, we still have a month named after him. Which one? August. August. He's one of the most important emperors or Caesars ever to exist, and perhaps even the most powerful. He reigned for 40 years from the age of 36 till the day he died at 76. Uh, Well, they say that Rome wasn't built in a day, but over those 40 years, Emperor Augustus built a massive empire according to his power and strength. He masterminded huge building programs. He set up a complex system of centralized government. He expanded the military, and through that he expanded the Roman territory, a vast empire. One scholar notes this, that under Caesar Augustus' leadership was born that famous period known as Pax Romana. Does that ring any bells? The Pax Romana, it's Latin for the peace of Rome. This is a legendary figure. It was actually during this Caesar's reign around the the, the turn of the the millennium uh, in the first century that uh, the religious worship of the emperor took hold. They started to worship the emperor as a god. And so he took on another title, Dominus et Deus, which means Lord and God. Here's what he said at the end of his life. He boasted saying, I found Rome bricks. And I made it marble. He was a huge success. Uh, But of course, all of this growth growth wouldn't have been possible without having an effective taxation system, right? Because otherwise, who's going to pay for the army? Who's going to pay for the building projects? He needed to raise the money. And so how did he do that? He ordered a census so that everyone would be registered. And the reason they had to go back home uh, to be registered is because the tax man needed to know where you live. They needed to be able to say, we know where you live. So there are even some things that don't change. He needed to get his taxes. And so one of the guys who had to go back to his birthplace to be registered so that he could grow Taxes for the emperor was a carpenter called Joseph. He was caught up in this whole census. Uh, He was a carpenter. He was betrothed to a woman called Mary, and he was from a town called Bethlehem. So, by order of the emperor Augustus, verse 4, have a look. It says, Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem. And what happened there? Verse 6. While they were there, the time came for Mary to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Now, please note what's happening here. Uh, The reason that Jesus was born in Bethlehem from a human perspective is because you had an emperor who needed to build his army and to grow his taxes, and so he ordered a census. But I want you to recognize this, that for all of his power... For all of his might, for all of his prestige, the great Roman emperor was actually doing nothing more than carrying out the Lord's decree. I wonder if you remember the first Bible reading. Spoken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before The Roman Emperor called this census. I'll I'll remind you, it's Micah chapter 5 verse 2. It was spoken hundreds of years earlier. And hear what the Lord's decree was. But you, O Bethlehem, that's the town in which Jesus was born, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me the one who is to rule Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. You see what's happening here? He's one of the most powerful emperors in the world, able to order the entire population to go back home, to be registered, to pay more tax, to build an even bigger empire. And yet through the eyes of faith, we see that all he's really doing is actually carrying out the Lord's decree to usher in the king of kings in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And so this great Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, is nothing more than a tiny little pawn in the hands of the sovereign king of kings. He's nothing more than a tiny little footnote in the story of the great king, our Lord Jesus. And in fact, the only reason that we're talking about him today is because of the very distant association that he had with a little baby boy, Called Jesus. And as I was reflecting on this, you know what I thought? I thought, that's the same for us. No matter who you are here today, no matter how big, no matter how small, at the end of the day, the ultimate measure of your life will come down to this. What's your relationship with Jesus? What's your relationship? With Jesus we've seen what Caesar Augustus relationship with Jesus was what's your relationship with Jesus you know the story of the the gospel the Christian message is that just as Jesus came at Christmas he's going to come back come back again at the end of days to judge the living and the dead and on the day that you see him no matter who you are no matter how great no matter how small the only thing that counts is this what's your relationship with Jesus. Friends here this morning, do you know that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you? Do you know that's the whole reason why he came at Christmas? Because he wants to have a relationship with you. Do you know that's why he says to you this morning, Here I am, by my spirit, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, do you hear his voice this morning? If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door... And lets me in. I will come in and eat with them. And they with me. You see Jesus came into the world at Christmas. But ultimately he wants to come into your heart. That's why we sing. Let every heart. Prepare him room. Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Because the moment you do that. He promises you something. That he will come in and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. That's why Jesus came at Christmas. And this is the ultimate way to rediscover Christmas, is that not only did he come into the world, but he's come into our hearts to all who would invite him in. I urge you to do that this morning if you haven't done so already. And if you have, rejoice. Our God is Emmanuel, God With us. The first way to rediscover Christmas is to realize that at the end of the day, it all boils down to one thing, and that is your relationship with Jesus. But I just want to continue this idea and push it a little bit further by looking at Caesar Augustus in relationship with Jesus. Because there are all kinds of phrases that people use to talk about Caesar Augustus. And what happens is that the gospel writers take these words and take these phrases that were popularly applied to Caesar Augustus and they use them to talk about jesus and to tell us who jesus is so there's this famous um, inscription that i've seen in berlin uh, i did an archaeology subject in asia minor uh, and this is a picture of this inscription from the first century it's called the priene calendar inscription if you're into archaeology or history and it's a big announcement about caesar augustus that we've met in verse one it's dated in about nine bc right nine years before christ hugely famous i mean this message went viral. In fact, the whole point of it was to spread the news about Caesar Augustus's birth. And of course, that's what the shepherds and the angels are doing here with Jesus, announcing the good news. That's the first word that you'll find in this inscription, good news, gospel. There's another word that they use to talk about Caesar in this inscription. It's the word saviour. So with those words ringing in your ears, if you've got the passage in front of you, have a look at how Luke tells the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. That The angels say, Do not be afraid to the shepherds, for see I am bringing you good news. There's one of those words that they use to announce Caesar's birth. Good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. The writers are saying, No, the good news that you need to hear is not about Caesar. It's about this baby boy, Jesus. And the saviour of the world is not this Caesar. He's dead and buried. The saviour of the world is this baby boy called Jesus. But there's one more word that they used about Caesar that is taken to apply to Jesus. And it's there in verse 14. Have a look at what the shepherds say. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace. On earth, peace among those whom he favours. In other words, Jesus came to bring peace on earth. Remember, we were talking about the Pax Romana, this famous period under Caesar Augustus, the peace of Rome. But the peace that Jesus brings is not the peace of Rome that comes by imperial force and imperial decree. This is not the kind of peace that's achieved by winning the nuclear arms race or through even a peace deal between two uh, um, countries that are at war. No, the peace that Jesus came to bring is a transcendent peace that brings an end, end to the conflict between God the creator and the people whom he made who have rebelled and to go on with life without him. That's what Jesus came to fix. That's the peace that Jesus came to bring. Another word for this is reconciliation reconciliation is when broken things get put back together and that's what Jesus came to do between you and God But unlike Caesar, who was willing to crush anyone who would threaten the peace of Rome, that's why he created the crucifix, the cross, because any insurrectionist, anyone who would threaten the peace of Rome would be absolutely crushed under the might of the emperor. That's not how Jesus came to establish his peace. In fact, quite the opposite. He came to be crushed himself for us. And all the evil in the world, all of the darkness in our hearts, like when you get one of those magnifying glasses with the sun and it's concentrated like a laser beam onto a leaf. God took all of the evil and all of the darkness in the world and at a point in history 2,000 years ago, he concentrated all of that darkness and evil in his son on the cross. That's why it's up there, friends. He came to bring peace and destroy evil. And then he rose up again victorious from the grave. The Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. It's a bit like the story I've heard recently about the Sawi people, who are a tribal group who lived in Papua New Guinea. Uh, In 1967, a couple, Don and Carol Richardson, they decided to leave uh, their relative comfort in the West to try and preach this gospel of the Prince of of Peace to the Sawi people in Papua New Guinea. Uh, they were an isolated people uh, who'd never had contact with the outside world. And, and, and where, where they got there, there were these two rival tribes that were so fascinating with, fascinated with these Western people who arrived that they actually moved where they'd lived in their villages to live on either side of where the Richardsons lived. But these two tribes, they were constantly at war with each other, fighting and killing and vicious attacks but the Richardsons stuck it out and they were determined to learn their customs and to learn their language so that they could preach to these warring tribes the prince of peace. One of the many setbacks that they encountered along the way is that they were telling the story of how Judas, if you know it, had betrayed Jesus. And when they heard the story, they were like, oh, wow, Judas is amazing. For them, Judas was the hero of the story. They said, yeah, that's what we do. We make friends with someone and then we try and win their trust so that they are with us and then we kill them. They're like... Oh my goodness, how on earth are we ever going to be able to preach to these tribes the Prince of Peace that they can have with God and with each other? Well, after 14 civil wars that they witnessed, they gave up and they said to them, we can't do this anymore, we're going to leave. And they said, no, please don't leave. We want you to stay. If you stay with us, we promise that we'll make peace with each other in the morning that morning they rose up to see the most amazing ritual they'd ever seen in their life. The two tribes lined up on either side of a clearing and then finally one man, he dashed into his hut and he grabbed his newborn baby boy and holding him above his head, he ran across the field with an anguished look on his face And his wife was crying out to him, pleading with him, no, don't take our boy, give me back my boy. And he took them to the rival tribe and he said to them, plead the peace child for me. I give you my son and I give you my name. To their astonishment, the other tribe did the same thing. A man ran into his hut, took his newborn baby boy, ran across the field with anguished look and he presented his newborn baby boy to this rival tribe. They were astonished, but eventually they found out the meaning of this ritual. The meaning was that as long as their baby boy lived, that there would be peace between these two tribes. As long as they took care of the boys, they would have peace between them. Finally, the Richardson's saw the illustration that they needed To be able to illustrate the message of the gospel of the Prince of Peace. And so they told these tribes people about their loving heavenly father who made them and yet they had rebelled against him so that there was no peace between them. But their loving heavenly father gave him his beloved, precious son to die for them on the cross, to take away all of their sins, all of their guilt, all of their shame, so that they could have peace with God and by his spirit, peace with one another. That was the message that finally took root. And by their hundreds, people came to put their trust in this prince of peace. It was just a few years later that these two warring tribes uh, sat down together at Christmas time to celebrate the gift of the Prince of Peace. And they had an amazing time together. These two warring tribes that used to be fighting with each other, cannibalising each other, murdering each other, were sitting down as brothers and sisters in Christ to celebrate this Christmas child, this peace. After they finished their meal, a Sawi preacher he got up for the very first time to preach the message of Christmas to them. And he preached on a verse that no one in the history of the world had been able to appreciate like the Sawi people did that day. Can I tell you what the verse was that they celebrated with that Christmas? It was Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is born is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. A few years later uh, the Richardson's would reflect that that was the greatest Christmas that they had ever known. My prayer for you this Christmas is that even as God was able to help these Sawi people discover Christmas for the first time, that God by his spirit will enable you to rediscover Christmas today. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing.